Good morning, everyone. Grab your Bibles. We are in Genesis chapter 21 this morning. Genesis chapter 21. We also take this moment to say Happy Mother's Day to everyone. Um, And I do so with an additional measure of joy and hope in my heart this year. Um, I guess you've been watching and, and hearing about the leaked report that has come out of the Supreme Court indicating that Roe v. Wade may be overturned. Listen, I, I never thought I'd see this in my lifetime or that it would ever be seen. They're estimating over 62 million lives have been cut short because of that decision a long time ago. I, I'm a, a part of the Generation X, the Gen X generation, uh, the smallest generation in modern days, by the way, uh, there's probably not been a more, uh, another generation more impacted than mine. Uh, so many of my classmates would have been classmates and fellow uh, gener- generational uh, uh, participants never had a chance. And um, I, I, I just want to take a moment here. I know this is often a sensitive subject, and I know that not everyone um, that will hear the words I'm about to say uh, will receive these kindly. I don't believe that'll be true for anybody in this room, but, but uh, as uh, what I say may get out on the internet, um, let me explain to you what this decision means. Uh, first of all, if, if this decision ha- has indeed, if the reports were being told, um, if it is indeed going to overturn this decision from 1973, it doesn't mean that abortion has hen- ended. What it really means is that these decisions are going to be handed back to where it should have been all along, which was the legislatures. Um, If you remember, the current law of the land was decided by nine individuals on the Supreme Court nearly 50 years ago Um, in a decision that was basically seven to two. um, It changed the law of the land. And so now the decision over whether abortion uh, on any level is legal or not will go back to the legislative bodies and so that means that either the federal uh, government, the Congress, will deal with it, or state legislatures will deal with it, or maybe both. Now, what this news means for us, for people of faith, let me remind you, this is not a political matter. I mean, it's moved into the political arena, but this is not a political thing. This is a moral thing. Um, the scriptures are very clear. In fact, the the Bible, we know, and this is our, our statement, it has been our statement a long time, we believe in the sufficiency of Scripture and that God's Word trumps everything else. God's Word trumps our personal opinions, our preferences, our political and party affiliations. And so what do the Scriptures tell us? The Scriptures tell us that God is the author of all life, that all that has been created has been created by Him. And that life is valuable. Human life is valuable. Why? Because we've been created in the image of God. The Bible also reminds us that human personhood begins before our birth. Um, Many places in scriptures, there there are references that that talk about how God knew us. Uh, Even before we were conceived, He knew us and uh, and, uh, had knitted us in our mother's womb. And for all of those reasons, but also the the repeated affirmation throughout Scripture that we, as God's people, should fight for and protect life. And that's been our position for as long as anyone can remember. 
And so whether or not this, this news is, is true, whether or not Roe versus Wade stands or falls, our church is going to continue to stand for life. We're going to continue to support pro-life ministries uh, like Education for Life, our local uh, pregnancy center. Uh, we're going to continue to pray for pro-life initiatives. We will, from time to time, call you to respond in ways that will help support pro-life uh, concerns. And so I want to just challenge you to be in prayer. Our, our country right now, there are pl in places of worship where people are gathering and there are protesters outside the doors. Uh, I know this is a contested issue. Uh, it, it is uh, filled with all kinds of opinions and it's a very heated one. Um, but I, I, I just want to encourage you to, to remain true and faithful to God's word and to understand who we are and what we are about. So I, what I'd like for us to do is just pray right now. Can we do that? And let's pray and let's ask the Lord to, to be uh, in, in our, uh, with our country, uh, that we would be willing to, to do whatever is necessary to remain faithful to His Word. Let's pray together. Lord, I know this subject is a heavy one, but Lord, my, my heart is in, indeed filled with hope and joy. Because Lord, we believe You, and we believe You are the author of life, and we believe that the very fact that we are breathing, that we are alive, has come because you have willed it. You've allowed it. And over and over and over again in your word, Lord, we see that you as the author of life call us to stand for life. All life. And Lord, that's not just preborn life, that is all life. Even to the grave, we support life. And so, Lord, I, I pray for our nation. I know that subjects like this can be quite divisive. And not just in faraway places, but it can be divisive in, in relationships over people who wrestle with these things. And so, Lord, I pray for peace. And we pray for uh, wise decisions to be made. Lord, we ask that this overturning be true. And that indeed, that these, these things can be discussed and, and voted on as it was intended uh, in, in our democratic society, in our legislatures. And we pray for those that are in positions of leadership um, that they would stand firm and strong and do the right thing. But Lord, let us also be mindful that our stance for life isn't just over this issue, but that we would stand for life in every circumstance and be for people and be for life as you are. Lord, I'm also mindful that it's highly likely that there are some in this room who have taken, made decisions and that this Roe versus Wade decision a long time ago has given them opportunity to perhaps engage in an abortion. Lord, we're not here to condemn them. Lord, I just pray that you help them to find peace and forgiveness in you and that you would work in their heart and life to help them to live beyond and to stand for life beyond that decision that happened some time ago. And Lord, I pray for our church that we will remain faithful and true and be a beacon of light, even if the rest of the world turns against us, that we will stand for you, for your word, and stand for life. And Lord, let us do so knowing that it will bring the greatest glory and honor to your name when we do so. So Lord, on this Mother's Day, we ask that you encourage us and guide our nation to where it needs to be on this subject and many others. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, let's, let's get into our text today. Again, I want to say happy Mother's Day to you. And uh, it is a day for us to celebrate motherhood, to celebrate parenting. 
And uh, I, I've not taken a lot of time to, to address this subject in recent years, so I want to I address it on this particular day. And as I was reflecting up upon the message today, um, I couldn't help but go back to some of my early days of parenting. My, my kids are uh, getting older. Our youngest is, is now uh, beginning to drive. She's gotten her, uh, her permit. And so a lot of the, 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 the problems of the past aren't quite the problems I used to think they were. Um, I remember Ethan, when we were living in Kentucky, we would drive or fly to, to Florida and go to, to Disney World. I still have in my mind, because uh, he never stopped. Uh, he, you know him now. He used to really not stop and would watch him run across parking lots uh, in and amongst the cars. And I remember proposing to Jennifer that we buy one of those leashes, you know, that they, you see some people. She wouldn't let me do it. Or, or Meredith. Uh, when she, we would put her into the, 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 the child's seat in the back of the car, she, was, she just hated to be, to be strapped down. And for the, the first five minutes of, it, of any uh, road trip, or maybe sometimes 30 minutes, you would see her in the back of the car through the rearview mirror going, Ooh, like she was going to break out of it. And I, I suggested to Jennifer that we give her some Benadryl and just knock her out. <laughs> and she wouldn't allow it. And uh, I won't even begin to tell the stories on Leah, all right, the oldest. But you know, as I reflect on all of those, those moments and so many more that, that I've even forgotten, and to think about the struggles we used to have, they were nothing to some of the struggles that we've begun to deal with in recent years. You know, when we first moved here, we homeschooled our kids for several years, and, uh, and at one point we decided that it was time to allow them to go back into the public schools, and uh, so I, after day one of getting them back in the schools, I remember having a conversation with one of them. So how did your day go? And uh, the report was this. Well, I, I, I met a girl who wanted me to call her by a guy's name. And I thought, Lord in heaven, I, I didn't deal with this when I was a kid, right? My parents didn't have to, to shepherd me through these kinds of things. And so, you know, I, I've never dealt with anything like that before. It was one of those moments you had to start you know, praying a little bit more intently and asking the Lord for wisdom and guidance. But it's just a reminder that it's never been easy to be a parent. It doesn't matter what the circumstance may be. It never matters uh, what the culture uh, pressures may be. It's never been easy to parent. Every generation has its challenges. Every generation has its struggles. There's so much responsibility that is being placed upon parents to raise up the next generation and so much at stake. I mean, even parents a long, long time ago had their own struggles. One particular parent we're going to look at today, and her name was Hagar. If you know her story, you know that she faced enormous challenges, and, and yet somehow she found a way, and she found encouragement and strength in the Lord. The best way for me to introduce you to Hagar's story is to sort of set the context of the broader story that her story fits into, and that is the story of Abraham and Sarah. You remember Abraham, Abraham was the one that God had called and was going to, to through him, raise up a mighty nation that, that, that God would bless him and bless uh, his children and, uh, and eventually they would become God's people. But as a part of Abraham's story, Abraham and Sarah, they were barren for a, a long, long time. Even though God said, I'm going to make you a mighty nation, they had no children to call their own. And so Sarah, his wife, decides, you know, she's going to try to push things along, and decides that her maidservant, Hagar, uh, would be a, a, a wonderful substitute to, for Abraham to be able to produce a child. And so uh, she decided 
to allow her servant Hagar, her Egyptian servant, to marry Abraham. And so Abraham is now married to two women, to Sarah and to Hagar. However, when Hagar becomes pregnant, Sarah gets a little jealous. And she begins to mistreat Hagar and and does not care for her well during her pregnancy. Eventually, Hagar produces a child. Ishmael is born. And unfortunately, though, the, the tension that began in the pregnancy between these two women did not abate. It got worse and worse even after the child was born. And then years later, finally, Sarah is able to conceive. And uh, when she becomes pregnant and, and gives birth, uh, the, the, the child that Hagar had given birth to, Ishmael, uh, Hagar's son, was somewhere around 13 years of age. And uh, in the lead up of all of that, in the aftermath of the birth of Isaac, Sarah's son, uh, Sarah was about done now that she had her child. She didn't want this upstart Hagar and and her son Ishmael to get in the way. It got so bad between them that she goes to Abraham, convinces Abraham, Sarah does, to kick out Hagar from the house along with Ishmael. And so here we find, as we're going to read in just a moment, we find Hagar in a very difficult situation. She's out by herself, very little provision. She and her son are, are cast out. And she is finding herself in a very hopeless spot and has, in her mind, very little power at her disposal. But she's going to discover she's not as powerless as a parent as she thought. Because as she cries out in grief over her situation, the Lord is going to speak to her through an angel. And the response that she receives is going to encourage her as a parent. And I pray it's going to be an encouragement to you as well. Let's read about how the Lord responded to her in her situation when she felt powerless and gave her words encouraging her to know that she had more power than she realized. And we read of this in Genesis chapter 21. And so if you have your place in Scripture, I want you to go right to verse 17. All right, we're going to be looking at verses 14 down to verse 21, but we're going to read just verses 17 and 18 right now. So why don't you stand as we read this together? Genesis 21 verses 17 and 18. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up! Lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation moms dads maybe even some grandparents or others that are involved in the raising of kids this is a difficult day to raise children you may even feel powerless at times but never forget that god is on your side he is with you lean into the power that he gives you to influence and encourage the generation that's been assigned to you let's pray together lord on this day This day that we recognize mothers, my prayer is is that we would encourage not just our mothers, but all who have influence over children and the raising of children. It's an incredible responsibility, but also an incredible privilege. May we not neglect the opportunity that we have to impact this generation, knowing that the generations to come will be impacted by our leadership with our kids and our grandkids today. So God, as we pray, and encourage us with your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. 
Go ahead and have a seat. If you're like me, when I think of Mother's Day and motherhood, it conjures up sort of a Norman Rockwell kind of picture painting. You know, you've seen those rosy uh, pictures from, from an age ago where it depicts a world where, where life is simple and uh, uh, everyone is happily living uh, a, a, a wonderful life and mom is at the center of that picture. The kids are, are happy and obedient and, and, and playing at mom's feet. Well, we know, if, especially if you've raised some children or some grandchildren, we know that life is not always like that. Most often, parenting is very difficult. It's not easy being a parent, and Hagar is one who would testify to that effect. In fact, her, her life was a clear example of how hard it can be to be a parent. Now, her circumstances are unique. We know this. Uh, but she was a parent none, nonetheless, and her struggles and the things that she faced provided an opportunity for the Lord to speak encouragement to her. And while her story demonstrates that it's not easy being a mother or being a father, uh, and especially it's not easy being a single parent, that there is encouragement to be found. In fact, perhaps uh, not only our parents today can find some encouragement from her story, but also foster parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and big sisters, big brothers, preschool and kid, kids workers, anyone who has a, a place of influence uh, or acts like an adoptive parent over, over some children. You have an opportunity to be encouraged here as well. Parenting is not an easy responsibility to fill. Life often comes against us, often at, at full speed, and raise the circumstances that, that spin our lives out of control. And many times, I find this to be true, many times my, my, the most contentious moments of my life are related in some way to my children. Not that we are in opposition with one another, but the circumstances that they deal with weigh heavily upon my own life. When you find yourself in, that, in those circumstances, when the culture presses hard against how you're trying to raise your children, you might, may find yourself feeling powerless at times. Now, Hagar would agree with that assessment. She's certainly the victim in this story. Uh, what she was going through was not of her devising. It was not her fault, but she had to deal with it. Outside forces, outside circumstances were playing against her as a parent. And just like all parents and grandparents are called to do, she had to learn to press on. And so I want us to take a look at some of the challenges that she faced uniquely, uh, but see how that reflects upon the challenges that we face in our day and time. So let's go back to that moment when Abraham kicks her out. Sarah has raised a fuss. She wants to now raise her own child, Isaac. Uh, without the influence of Hagar and Ishmael in the way. And so she convinces Abraham to kick uh, Hagar and Ishmael out. And look there in verse 14. We are told that Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. Now again, if you're wondering what has prompted this to happen and what she did to prompt this, the answer is nothing. She's, again, the powerless one in this situation. Life is just happening to her. She had just been this lowly servant girl to Sarah, and it was Sarah's idea that, that in her barrenness that she would have Hagar marry Abraham and bear his child. And it was Sarah's idea, as we mentioned already, it was Sarah's idea that, that Hagar be booted out of the house. And not only that, if you read a little bit further earlier in the story, you discover that God's allowing it to happen. He's saying, don't, don't worry to Abraham. And so at Sarah's bidding, 
Abraham kicks Hagar and the child out, and suddenly she finds herself out in the wilderness, out by herself, out all alone, and she has a child to care for. And the only thing that she has provided uh, to, to provide sustenance is just a little bit of token help, a little bit of bread, a little bit of water. A single mom out there all alone. Now listen, if you're a single parent, here's someone that you may identify with when it comes to Hagar. Maybe you've experienced a separation of some kind, maybe a divorce, maybe your spouse passed away and left you to be the only parent. And now the burden of raising this child or your children is upon you. And honestly, there's very little help being given to you. And perhaps more often than not, you feel alone, you feel neglected, you feel powerless. By the way, you're not alone if you feel that way. Uh, the Parenting Project is, uh, is estimated there are upwards of 25 million single-parent homes in the United States. And the vast majority of those are being led by single mothers. Listen, it's not easy to be a single parent. It's not easy to be a single mother. In fact, according to the same group, the Single Parent Project, 40% of mothers who are single parent mothers have low-wage jobs, and for, more than, for many of them, more than half of their income is just going to support their children, to child care costs. And so the, the, the challenges for those in those unique circumstances, they are immense. And listen, I want you to hear me if you're one of those single parents shout out to you. I just want to affirm you and let you know that, that I am for you. Our church is for you. We are proud of what you are doing. We know that it's hard. I cannot identify completely with what you're dealing with. I'm not parenting alone, but I want you to know we recognize that it's hard for you. That in, even though you often feel alone, we are for you and we're, we're with you. And I know you feel at times that you don't have much going for you, but you keep it up because what you are doing is a very noble thing. You're doing what God has called you to do. And listen, kids in the room, especially if that single parent is your mom or your dad, you need to hug them extra tight today and let them know how much you love them and appreciate them and, and express deep gratitude for how they sacrifice for you. Difficulty in parenting, it's hard. But it's not just for parents, by the way. Uh, something uh, we're seeing this growing trend in the United States is that this, this burden of parenting is not just on parents, it's now growing into, into grandparents. If that's you, you're, you're a, a grandparent, you've raised your kids, and for one reason or another, unexpectedly you find yourself now parenting again because you're parenting your grandkids. You know, there, there are somewhere around two and a half million grandparents in the United States that are raising their, kid, their grandkids as if they're their own kids. The, result, or the reasons for that are varied. Sometimes it's for financial reasons. The, the, the parents of the kids just can't afford it, and so they hand the kids over to the grandparents who have resources to care for the kids. More times than not, there is some kind of substance abuse problem that has affected the parents. The parents can no longer provide a safe, protective place a home for the, for the kids, and so the grandparents step in and take those kids. They step up. And if that's you, you've likely spent a lot of money raising your kids. I know what that's like. And maybe you've, you've not put enough money aside to prepare for your retirement, and you never imagined that whatever little retirement that you've set aside, you're then going to have to use it again to raise another set of kids, but here you are. 
And there's, there's no, you don't, maybe you feel like there's no one there to help you. You feel alone and on your own. And maybe you feel a little powerless yourself. Maybe there are more needs than resources available to you, just like Hagar. So I just want you to put yourself in Hagar's shoes and sense how powerless she felt. And you know, it wasn't long before Hagar found herself in a, in a very serious spot. Th- that water, that bread, it begun, begins to run out. And at the end of all of her resources, we're told this in verse 14, that she departed and wandered into the wilderness of Beersheba, and when the water in the skin was gone... She put the child under one of the bushes. And here we see a true need of many parents, and, and sometimes grandparents, single or otherwise. Hagar's been put out into an unforgiving world. And listen, as we've been watching prices re- rise across the land, and inflation is racking our country right now, we're hearing more and more stories of families who cannot make ends meet. And maybe you're feeling the pressure of that and you're feeling a whole lot more like Hagar than you ever imagined you would because here we find her now at a point of crisis. Her resources are are running out. Her water is gone. We can assume the bread is almost gone, if not gone completely too. The boy himself is really not able to stand on his own. Maybe maybe he's unconscious. He's probably dying. And so she's in this desperate spot. She is in need. She's all alone. She has no support system, nobody there to encourage her to keep going. And it's, it's no wonder that at this moment she's lost all semblance of hope. In fact, I want you to look at what she does in verse 16. It's, it's incredible, really. Verse 16. It says, Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, Let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. Now you may have in your mind that Ishmael is still a little baby. That's not true, by the way. But the time that Isaac was born to Sarah, Ishmael was about 13 years of age. This is no small, helpless little infant. This is a a larger boy, a boy emerging into manhood, into, into adulthood, And so their circumstances are really beginning to affect him and affect his physical life. Her son is near death and she feels like there's nothing that she can do to prevent it. And she's used up all of her options. She's powerless. She's likely felt betrayed. There's no water nearby. She's out in the desert. And she's likely, she just cannot watch him die. And so she helps him under a bush And not wanting to to watch him die, she leaves him and goes off and begins to grieve. I wonder if there's anyone here that can identify with her like this. I mean, are are you a parent, a single parent maybe, a a mom, a dad, overwhelmed by your responsibilities? Maybe you don't have a child that's dying because of resources, but maybe you do feel neglected and you're in a desperate place. And you just don't know what to do. Something's happening to your family. Something's happening to your child. And you feel powerless to do anything to address the need. Well, Here's the word that you're going to get from what we hear from the Lord. And that is don't give up. And do not fear. As bad as you may feel about your situation right now in this moment as a parent. As alone, as helpless, as weak as you may feel. Don't give up. I know it's not easy being the mom or dad that you are, but you're not as powerless as you may think. 
You may not be able to control all the circumstances surrounding what you're dealing with. You cannot always determine the outcome of what you're going through right now, but that does not mean that you're, you're completely powerless as a parent. You do have some power. Power to impact your children, to influence them, to guide them. And so I want to challenge you to wield whatever power that you have as a parent for the good of your kids. I want you to look again at the, at the how, as to how the Lord responded to Hagar. She's in this bad place, feeling powerless to change her circumstances, powerless as a mother. She's crying, Ishmael is crying, and then we read this in verse 17. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Here we see that Hagar experiences an incredible visit by an angel. It is quite possible that it's the pre-incarnate Christ arriving on the scene to give encouragement. And so at the worst moment of her life, either an angel or God himself has shown up, and it's a demonstration that God knows that she's hurting. That God knows that she is desperate. And so God shows up in that moment, reminding her that, that He cares for her, that, that he, he is for her, and encourages her not to fear in this desperate moment. It's a reminder to you as a mom or a dad or a grandparent or someone who's trying to impact a child with the world working against you to not fear this moment, but to be reminded that God loves you, He cares for you, and He is for you. And so God encourages her and gives her a Mother's Day version, if you will, of a, of a locker room speech. It's a pep talk and reminds her that though she may feel powerless, she does have some power as a parent, as a mother. And his words here remind us as well that we, we wield some power because God has uniquely placed us in, in these children's lives. So what power do we have as moms and dads, as parents, as grandparents? Let me give you three based on this encouraging word from the angel, and here's the first. For one, we have the power of persistence. Persistence. I know it's easy to get discouraged sometimes as a parent. I do. We may get overwhelmed, but we cannot quit. We cannot give up. We must press on, and we must persist. And listen, I, I get it. It is hard sometimes. Sometimes, it's, again, it feels as if the entire world is coming against us. And guess what? It is. The world is after your kids. The world is after your grandkids. Don't be fooled into thinking that the world is for you and for your children. The world is coming after your kids. You and I are in a battle for the, with this world and with the prince of this world, and it's over the hearts and souls and minds of our children and our grandchildren. And it can be so hard sometimes, so discouraging you can become so overwhelmed, you may feel like you're losing the battle, so much so that you feel helpless and you just want to sit down and quit, but you can't. You cannot stop. If you are a parent, you do not have that luxury. You must persist. Now listen, I know the word persist does not occur in the text here, but it might as well be. Instead, there's another word that is given to Hagar from the angel, which effectively means the same thing. Right there at verse 18, right at the beginning, up she was sitting down she had given up and the angel the lord is saying to her get up you can't quit you can't stop you must persist 
That word up means to stand up, but it takes on the sense of, of enduring. And so that, that is, she needs to keep on pressing through, even though it is tough. And so the angel is telling her to physically stand up, but, but spiritually, she's being pushed to endure. You know, to not give up on hope, to, to press on, to, to not lose faith, but to keep trusting the Lord and to keep having faith. And listen, she had given up. The moment that she had set her child, Ishmael, under that bush and went as far as a bow shot, far, far away from his side to sit down, she had given up. She had given up on her son and left him to die, which was the last thing that her son needed. Instead, the angel is saying, get up. You need to persist. Set the example. Don't give up. Don't give up on him. She didn't need to give up because he didn't need to give up. It's a reminder that parenting isn't a sprint. Mom, dad, it's an endurance race. You may lose a sprint from time to time, but, but that's not the battle. The battle is a long race, and it's often hard sometimes, difficult sometimes, but we must persist. And remember, persisting means you persisting in your walk with Jesus, to keep on pressing on in your faith. Because as you consistently and persistently walk with Jesus through the good times and the bad times, through the smooth times and the rough times, as you keep pressing in in your relationship with Christ, you are training your kids to do the very same things. You know, sometimes we parents are really guilty of the do as I say and not as I do, aren't we? We, we do that from time to time. We, we have certain expectations of our kids, but we don't always hold ourselves to those expectations. I remember hearing a story once uh, from my seminary president at Southwestern Seminary, Ken Hempel, talking about a boy and a father that was in his church when he was a young pastor. And every Sunday, the boy would get dressed for church. And as he was getting dressed for church, he would go with his mother to church. He would also watch his father get dressed, but he wasn't getting dressed for church. He was getting dressed to go to the golf course. And so many years later, when the boy was older, guess how the boy dressed? For Sundays. He, when he became a father himself, he began to dress for golf and rarely darken the doors of the church. That father did not persist. Mom, your child will not become what you yourself are not willing to become. Dad, the same is true for you. Your son, your daughter will not become what you yourself are not willing to become. So fulfill your calling, be the parent, and persist. See, you have more power than you, than you realize at your disposal. Not only do you have the power to persist and not give up, you have the power of influence. Look again to verse 18 because the angel says, Up, but then says this, Lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand. Again, she had given up on her son. She had given up, but she would also given up her place of having direct influence upon him. Her circumstances had become so overwhelming, so beyond her control, she just sat down and literally removed herself from his presence. And when that child needed her the most, she wasn't there. When that child needed encouragement the most, she wasn't there. When she had a, a place to influence his future, she wasn't there. She sat down and the Lord said, Nope, get up. Get up, get over there, pick up that child and hold him fast. Why? Because that child needed his mother. He needed his mother's attention. He needed her assistance. He needed her physical encouragement. But he also needed her spiritual encouragement. And she could not offer that 
from afar. This is a reminder to me, I pray it's a reminder to you, that, that I, as a parent, because of the close proximity that I have with my kids, especially in this season of their lives, that I have undue influence because of the time and location. I have influence over them as a parent. My children have been given to me. That's a significant responsibility. And I've been positioned uniquely in their lives to impact them, to influence them. And I cannot sit idly by and let the world influence them. Because the world's going to do it. I have to engage them, lift them up, hold them fast physically, yes, emotionally, absolutely, but most importantly, spiritually. That's what she was doing. Our, our children need the same. They need to be positively pushed. They need encouragement from us. You know, here's the gist of what we have told our kids throughout their lives as they would pursue different ventures, uh, uh, athletics or, or some uh, uh, so learning some new activity or schoolwork or, or pursuing a school election, just do your best. Do your best, no matter how you, you, what you do, how the result is, do your best and know that we love you. We are here for you. We are proud of you. And so we've striven to be encouragers for our children and, let the, uh, and I want to be there for their good and, and let them know uh, that, that they can be more than they are, influencing them for the good giving them positive support that they need, but you cannot influence them like that if you're not engaged in their lives and there for them. Moms and dads too, you're not as powerless of a parent as you may feel sometimes. You have a lot of power at your disposal, that, that power of persistence, the power of influence. There's one last power I want to point out to you. It's this. You have the power of expectation. You have the power of expectation. I, I feel, find that oftentimes is where many parents fail. They, they don't push their kids in any particular way. They just let their kids be. But I would challenge you to expect much of your kids, to push them to that end. Now, we're not told here that, that the angel explicitly tells Hagar to push Ishmael. Did you notice the promise, though, that was made about him? A promise about his future that I'm sure that Hagar leveraged along the way past this moment. Look at the conclusion of verse 18. After the angel says, up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand. The angel said this, for I will make him into a great nation. Here we're told by the angel to her that there's great hope for his future. That he may be weak in this moment. He may be dying, but this is not the end of him. There is more life in front of him. He's going to become the forefather of a great nation. You know, Abraham was given that promise twice. Now she is given this promise specifically about Ishmael. And what it does for her is it gives her something to expect out of her child. She could have such high expectations for him. No longer would she have to accept a poor future for him. She could challenge him to a better life, to a productive life. And you as a parent, you do realize that God has a purpose and a plan for your children and your grandchildren. He or she, they are not given to you by accident. God has a rich plan for them. Your job and mine as parents is to have similar expectations. Our kids may not become the, the, the fathers or mothers of great nations, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a great purpose and a plan for them in their lives. And listen, I'm not talking about them being successful, having a good education, or scoring a high-paying job, or having a happy home life. And listen, all those things are fine. 
Jennifer and I, we, we pour a lot into our kids to try to shape them toward these things, but that is, the not, that is not the most important expectation that we placed upon them. Because none of that matters if they're not living for Jesus Christ. None of that matters. If they're living and, and, and for all of these other things and achieve them, uh, and, but they are not living for the glory of God, they are going to fail at what matters the most. And so I would challenge you as, as parents, as grandparents, as those who are in positions of encouragement and leadership over other kids, to expect much out of those that are under your watch care. Make sure that you expect much of them spiritually. Push them to Jesus. Push them to pursue Jesus. Push them to pursue the things of God. And remember as you do, make sure you're pushing yourself to do the same. You pursue after Christ, because if it doesn't matter to you, it will not matter to them. Now, I know we've gone a long time, but I don't want to leave, uh, leave her in this situation without seeing the resolution of the story. Look at the conclusion here, because Hagar's story shows us, again, that we're not as powerless as parents as we may think. More importantly, that God Himself is working, and He is powerful, and He is faithful to work on our behalf. Look at verse 19, see what happens next in the story. It says that then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. That well was there the whole time, by the way. She was just so caught up in her circumstances. She had not yet seen the provision of God. And we're told that she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. All of this is just a demonstration of God's care and concern for Hagar, how much he loved her and how he was demonstrating that he would provide for her needs. And mom and dad, this is a reminder that he'll do the same for you. No, no matter how dark the moment may feel, God's going to give you what you need. He cares for you. He cares for your kids, your grandkids, and He will provide. But He's also faithful to His Word. Look at verse 21, or 20, verse 20. We're told that God was with the boy, and He grew, and He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and His mother took a wife for Him from the land of Egypt. See, so just a, a couple of verses before, when he was, the boy was 13, God makes this promise to Hagar, that, that their needs are going to be met, that, that, that the need of the boy was going to be met. And in time, God's promise was fulfilled. See, Hagar, she didn't give up. He, she was given that word, you need to persist, and, and she persisted. She stood up, and she continued her role of influencing him. She had sort of stepped away from that momentarily, but with the call to, 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 to lift the boy up and to, and to hold him, she reinserted herself into his life to influence him, and she continued to encourage and to push him and to have high expectations of him. In other words, she did not give up on her role of, as a parent, persisting in her parenting to the end, and God in his power blessed her and her son. And this is a reminder that if God can do this for Hagar, mom, dad, he can do this for you too. He can provide what you need in your moment of need. He can offer you what you need to be the successful parent that He's called you to be, and He can give you the strength to fulfill your responsibilities. But what you need to do is just to turn your heart to His. And if you're a, a mom or a dad here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, friend, listen, that is the very start. You can never be what God has called you to be as a parent to its fullest extent, especially as a spiritual leader in your home until you yourself are following after Jesus. And if you do not know Jesus, know this today, that Jesus died on the cross to, to pay the penalty of your sin so that you can be redeemed, forgiven of your sin, 
and that you can have a relationship with God, the very relationship that God makes available to your children, He makes to you first. He offers to you. You have a purpose in this life, and that is to know God and to live your life for Him. And before you can ever expect your children to do so, I encourage you to pursue a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And if you've not yet done that, when we depart here today, we'll have some pastors available to speak with you about how you can trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I would say this, Mom, persist for your kids. Turn your heart toward the Lord, but persist for your kids. Be there for them. Influence them for the kingdom. Encourage them, having reasonable expectations of them, but especially for their spiritual well-being. And then leave the rest to the Lord. So come down to this one question then. Mom, Dad, what are you going to do? I encourage you to, power, to parent your kids with power, persistently influencing them, encourage them, help them to pursue Jesus with all that you have to the glory of God to the end of your days. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the word today and I thank you for this story that often is looked upon in negative ways. The story of a mother struggling in the wilderness, a mother and a child neglected, but Lord, even in the midst of that neglect, when things were most desperate and they were all alone with no no support, no provision, you showed up and encouraged them. Now, Lord, I pray that we be encouraged by this word. And Lord, to know that if you can do that for, for Hagar as a parent, as a mom, and you can do that for Ishmael, then Lord, you can do it through our own families. In fact, Lord, I pray that this church become a lighthouse for families. That if there, among the many things that we excel at, Lord, that we be a place where families can be nurtured, where children can be raised in the Lord, and that they find a great support here within this, this spiritual body, this spiritual family, for our earthly families. And I pray, Lord, that you will send us many more parents and many more families and many more kids that we might, as a, as, a, as a spiritual family, impact this world for good. May we persist. May we continue to influence. May we continue to have high expectations for parents and for families to bring a greater push and a greater call to bring glory and honor to you. So Lord, whatever you need to do with this message, whatever you need to do for our families and our parents, you do it. We ask this and we pray it in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord and our God.